This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> and hello, everyone else. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. We are so excited to have you with us today on this very important, very sensitive and sacred topic. Um, I want to start off by inviting you to follow us on Instagram to keep updated on all of our happenings and the podcast releases and what we're up to in our blog and our personal journeys. So come on, follow us on Instagram. And without further ado, I would love to welcome our very special guest, Sarah Sophia. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) We are so happy to have you. As a matter of fact, we have gone out and figured out how to record Skype guests just to have Sarah Sophia on because we are just really excited to have this conversation with her. So um, I'm going to introduce Sarah. Sarah Sophia Eisenman is a writer and embodiment of the divine feminine, walking, mapping, and alchemizing the mythic territory of the feminine soul through her own personal life and being. Her memoir, She is One, which we're going to link to, uh, details her own very deep and personal walk home from the deepest abuse, trauma, and soul fragmentation to rising in divinity and entering divine union with her beloved husband through a series of true supernatural events that hold tremendous collective power. Sarah Sophia holds a bachelor's in cognitive neuroscience from UC Berkeley and a master's degree in culture and performance from UCLA. Her offerings can be found on her website, which is thesacredfem.com, which we're linking in show notes. And she blogs actively on Facebook and uh, on her personal page, Sarah Sophia Eisenman. And if you don't follow her on Facebook, I highly recommend it. I so enjoy every single post and I interact with her because I just am so obsessed with every post pretty much like every day. So that is Sarah Sophia. That's our guest today. Goddess. Oh my god. Thank gosh. you so much. Wow. That made me like tear up. You guys are, <laughs> your enthusiasm is like overwhelming me with joy. and It's very authentic. Um, gratitude. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Wow. What a journey it sounds like. I mean, we haven't even gotten into it yet, but just from the little bits Jenna's shared with me, such a powerful, powerful, perfect journey. So yeah, thank you for sharing with us today. Jenna has a definition on our topic today, which I haven't been able to mention yet, but it's healing sexual trauma through sacred union. Yes. And Here's my definition. When you have been broken by sexual trauma that you have experienced, and yet you still find wholeness and healing through the divinity possible within a divine union partnership. And somebody who has firsthand experience with this on a very intense and deep level is our guest today. So um, should we jump right in with Sarah? Yeah. So why don't we start, Sarah, by asking you, How would you define sacred union or divine union? Okay. Ah, This is more difficult and more complex than I initially thought it would be. So bear with me as I parse my own way through it. But so it's been 20 years in this union with my husband. And um, the first thing that I think has been absolutely critical uh, for this union has been 
total devotion to the union. Um, you know, the vow. People have a hard time with vows these days, and you know, marriage gets downed a lot, and monogamy gets, you know, um, has a bad rap. And I understand why. There's a lot of, the, you know, there's a high divorce rate. There's a lot of broken families. I'm actually really grateful for the vow. I'm a, I'm a believer in vows. I'm actually someone who has taken um, a Nazarite vow to the highest good. Um, so I have vowed myself to the highest good. And, and what that means yes. energetically is important to this union. So when you vow yourself energetically to a union in the way that we both have, um, it tends to bring about miracles and it will challenge and test every single fiber of your being along yes. the way. <laughs> um, the irony. So, Yes. I mean, that's, but that's what we sign up for in taking that vow. And we know it, we know that challenge and that test is before us. And that, and, and that's why we do it, frankly, because we want to be birthed through mm. the, through the other, right? That's what intimacy is. So, um, through that vow, there is a birthing of the self into wholeness such that the union becomes more and more a feature, uh, or a, a blossoming of sovereign interconnection than anything that could be called, you know, codependency or control or any of those old paradigms, the old paradigms shed like a snake shedding her skins as sovereign interconnection and interdependence, uh, rises in the union as a result of the vow taken Wait, and the just, devotion. Um, just a question on your vows. Are you referring to the vows during marriage, to, during your wedding ceremony, or is this yeah. a separate ritual? It's a great question. So yes, I, I'm referring to both. So for us, we've been uh, married a lot of times. <laughs> because, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Because Tell me you've got we, a lot of rings too. <laughs> Yeah, every time I want a new ring, I'm like, dude, you just married a new like aspect of my soul. Where's my ring? I love um, that. <laughs> I'm gonna take that on. That's brilliant. <laughs> but it's necessary because we birth into new versions of ourselves. So you have to keep remarrying because you're looking at someone different in the mirror, and yes. your partner is different too. Yeah, wow, so it's, it's, that's so true. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's really important to continue marrying the person. And uh, <laughs> marriage is not something that happens, you know, a wedding isn't just a one-time deal. Like also the the way that I approach divine union, like the space that I hold within that is the bride. So I actually dress as a bride. I actually veil as a bride um, if for divine union for like intimacy, you know, purposes. And, oh, you know, do, do you mean like on the daily? Not every day, no, but for, you know, regularly as called, um, and as part of a divine, you know, union practice, it's like sort of coming back into your virginity, if you will, you know, and I, when I say that, I don't, I don't mean it in the puritanical sense. I mean it in the sense of sovereign wholeness. Mm, um, so you're channeling the re- archetype of the, mm-hmm. the virgin. And of the bride, of the, the, bride. the actual, the, the bride of the Shekinah, which is the bride of God in, in the tradition that we, we know. So, um, yeah, so this bridal archetype is something that pops up over and over again, and we, and we marry each other again and again. The key to that is, in addition to the heart opening ever more, because your heart's constantly cracking open with greater amounts of love for the other, even in challenge, even in disagreement, Right even when the other one isn't rising as fast as you want them to, or you're not doing what they think you should, when there's conflict and edges, your heart has to stay open. But then the sacred sexuality element is absolutely key. So the vow isn't just a heart vow. I feel like the marital vow we take usually at the altar is very heart centered, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. It's beautiful. But there's also this vow of like, I will vow like my hips to you. (laughs) You Oh, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like that's really essential. Without that, you know, we find ourselves or I found myself anyway, 
um, schismed until I recognized that that wasn't, that was part of the vow and actually made the vow. Hmm, so. Beautiful. And so so this, it's like a package. Is this whole vow thing that you've just described, is this something that you and, and uh, your husband have forged just out of necessity or was this a tradition that you learned somewhere? The vowing thing comes from, I think, our ancient souls knowing, mm-hmm. um, along with our divine guidance. Mm-hmm. And um, the vow is very, very, very big. It works sort of like Paleolithic Jews, which no one even knows what that is. I'm not even going to fully describe that. I, I'm but. into that. I, I'm totally into that. I, ha- I have oh, okay. some kind of deep Jewish, like historical okay. connection as well. So, so yeah. So if you think about like Samson, he's born a Nazarite and he has to, you know, his hair means something symbolically, right? Um, the Nazarite oath is, is an ancient, ancient thing. It goes back thousands of years. So this whole idea of vowing oneself to God Mm-hmm. Is has become increasingly important in our union because as we vow ourselves to each other, we vow ourselves to God and vice versa. Mm-hmm. They're really they're really the same thing. It's like there's one altar. Mm-hmm. That altar, um, A L T A R, is the <laughs> altar of the relationship, but it is also the it is where we you know access God, mm-hmm. you know the divine, and it's it's also the portal to oneself. Those three things are that's the Trinity. Those three layers are all in union, in divine union. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how many times have you renewed your vows together? Um, formally? Well, not enough, actually. <laughs> I've actually we've actually never had a, a real wedding ceremony with friends and, and all uh, included. A lot of it's been shamanic. So it's happened in journey work mm. and it's happened intimately between he and I, but not so much in a public and witnessed way. Um, but as you know, if you've read my book, she is one, you know, that I've had soul essences come in that have been greatly, greatly separated and distinct from myself because of my early abuse, mm-hmm. dissociated soul parts. So every time a new soul, a soul part or soul essence would come in to me for integration, Hannon would remarry me. You know, oh my gosh. What a guy. Romantic. What a guy. He is just such a great husband that way, isn't he? He totally is. And he's been so my, my rock, you know, as he's been the one that has held constant, you know, as I've been, you know, navigating the underworld, the shadow realm and devastation and, Mm. you know, confusion and false twins. And, you know, I had Mm. to go through so much drama to bring those parts of myself here to this relationship. Mm. It's taken 20 years of, you know, to really reach what I would call divine union, although yeah. the seed was there the so whole time. I kind of want, I want to hear about the journey. So let's get to our, um, our next question, which is about your journey. Um, cause I know many people have endured varying degrees of sexual trauma living on this planet. Um, and you know, you unfortunately kind of went through some, some hard, hard stuff. So can you tell us about your journey, uh, from trauma to divine wholeness as you see it? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I was starting at 11, I'll just start there. Well, I was born into a lot of trauma because both of my parents were, um, quote, mentally ill and were, you know, had actually met each other in a mental institution, a state mental facility. So I, you know, I have this great, this bizarre, like kind of mythic conception of having been born in this crucible of like mental illness and trauma. Yeah. So it was very intense right from the beginning, but the, um, the sexual trauma really started at age 11 when my mom couldn't take care of me anymore. I ended up on an airplane out to California and placed in the hands of my sister and her husband 
who um, was a complete like sociopath, just like your classic, you know. How old were uh, you? Predator. I was eleven. Oh my and god! Your, and is this your blood sister? Yeah, she's actually my half sister. Half but, sister, um, got it. But I, I didn't think of her that way. I mean, I just thought of her as my sister yeah. at that time, certainly. And how old was she? She was in her early twenties. She was it. maybe. 21. Yeah. She's about 10 years older than me. So that'd be about 21. Yeah. And it was just, um, I mean, she, she had a great deal of soul loss and, you know, ended up marrying, it's a typical like sort of narcissist empath dynamic, I would say, Mm -hmm. where you gravitate, you know, these women who are, um, empathic, like fractured self, like, uh, you know, on the (sighs) subservient side, I guess I would say, you know, wind up marrying someone who is, very, very, yeah, vampiric, domineering, you know, he was just really, truly a hideous person. (laughs) He sounds like Sounds possessed. I'm just like, I'm just imagining you at 11. I'm just imagining you with this shield around you and I'm just seeing all your soul fragments just come back and I'm just, I'm just envisioning you protected and whole. So as you're telling the story, just to throw that out there. Thank you so much. I so appreciate that. Yeah. So, and he was military intelligence. So later on, I found out that this all ties in with military torture, MK ultra, all these pieces of the puzzle have actually recently come in, but I didn't know that at the time. I just knew I was being tortured and sexually abused. And, you know, there was no parent there to say that that shouldn't happen because he was, he was my caretaker. So did your sister know? She says she didn't. Um, I think she did. She definitely knew about physical abuse because she saw me being beaten and so forth. I mean, this is a person who, you know, tortured animals, oh. you know, you know, hit me in public, like routinely shamed me, like didn't let me leave the house, like oh, called, wow. called me a slut and a bitch every day of my life, you know, that kind of a thing. Like, so it wasn't exactly like a big secret, mm. but, you know, he definitely had her under a spell. Sounds like he's got a major entity running his life. Well, yes. And, and also like from day one, I feel like I was targeted by entities. I really do feel that way because I feel like those of us who hold the the goddess frequency strongly, there is a war against the divine mother. And that's just the truth. You're a target. Right. So since day one, it's like, even if like a a quote normal, you know, like a sort of just ordinary guy would come along, some massive entity would portal Uh through him to Uh try to get to me, Uh recognizing that I had potential to fulfill this divine mother archetype. Which you're going to do regardless of their shenanigans. That's, yeah, damn straight. And and also it's just like, you know, what I'm also thinking as you're telling this is like the strength of your soul to have come into this situation before birth, because I kind of am of the belief that, you know, we... Some we choose, we choose, but also you might have chosen the situation because it it needed a goddess with this much light to come in to and and illuminate all of these corners and to to transmute these energies, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, I am a map maker. So if you put me in the underworld, I'm making a map of every single corner of it, and I will expose every corner of it with that map because I'm detailed. You know, I'm I'm a Virgo, Virgo, you know, kind of mm. gal. Like oh, I'm making that. a map. I'm sharing it with crystal clarity. I am not afraid to share it. I'm meticulous in that. So you know, I think that's another um, reason I reason. came to, yeah. to do this. So. Anyways, that lasted for several years and in the process did create like a great deal of dissociation in me. So, um, that lasted and I had to work through those different, um, fractures. I mean, I had literal alter selves that had to be brought back in Mm -hmm. to my core identity 
which is terrifying. Terrifying. Mm. And how did you escape that situation? Um, after three years or so, I finally told a friend, because of course it was, don't tell anyone because I love you so much. No one would really understand. And then it was, don't tell anyone or I'll kill you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know? um, all of the things. So there's all these layers why you don't say anything. But after, after a period of years, um, I told a friend and I begged her not to tell anybody else. And of course, she went straight to our you know, teacher at that time and told the teacher, which was great that she did. So there was a custody trial and I was moved out of custody. Um, into my other sister's house. Oh, Unfortunately, man. was that better? My, my well, my other sister's husband was like the same person. What? Oh my gosh! Because my sisters were both raised in the same environment, so they kind of had the same vibrational, you know, imprinting. And it was normal um, for them. It's almost like they were comfortable with abuse because yeah. of what they'd grown up with. Totally. And was this that other? Was, was the second husband also military? He actually was not military. Okay. He, but he was raised in a kind of. Um, repressively Catholic family, which I do feel played a role in the, his particular case. They're both Catholic actually. And, um, and they had like programming from that. Both yeah. of them did. So, um, he ended up and it's, you know, not specific to anyone as we know, religion or no. institution it's, but there are certain institutions that have patterning with this. And so the military is certainly one and some of the religious institutions as well. So anyway, he, he did the same thing. And, um, oh my God. and I had to leave again. So, <laughs> yeah. I just and, want you know, to wrap you up. That sweet little girl. I know we're just wrapping up that light sweet little girl. That all the darkness Thank is you. attracted to you are so strong, such a warrior. And I just know that all of this is like carving you into the woman that you are today. Like if for some bizarre reason it needed to happen to make you, to send you on this path. And how many people can you heal through your path? Because so many people are experiencing these types of things, not talking about them to have somebody be able to like have made a map and to be able to talk about it with such clarity and precision and eloquence. Yeah. That's healing. It's going to heal the masses. Anyway, Thank you so much. we keep it, we keep interrupting. Sorry. No, you're good. I love this. It, it, I feel your love and it's so sweet. And yeah, so I mean, that's what happened. And then I had to sort that out because I moved to LA and, and I started attracting narcissistic vampires to myself. And, mm. and, you know, I was dissociated. So I used to wake up in people's beds and not even know how the hell I got there. And there wow. wasn't even necessarily drugs or alcohol involved. I just, an, an alter self would come in, take over my body, do what she wanted with my body for the night. And I'd wake up in the morning, not knowing what the hell happened. And um, that was, wow. okay. Yeah. So, so just to be clear, this altered state you would enter in, you think, stemmed from the years of trauma where you would disassociate from your body to cope with the trauma? That alters yeah. were actually created. So multiple selves were created as a defense mechanism. Yep. And and that translated as you kind of um, like a different personality coming yeah. into your body? And they each have different yeah. memories. They each have different personalities. They de- de- it's each like multiple personality it disorder is. almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's what I would have been diagnosed as if I got close enough to, you know, a psychiatrist for them to diagnose me. But my, because my parents were both mentally ill and had gone through hell in psychiatry, mm. I, I, dis, I was determined to let God heal me. I was like, I will not go near these yeah. doctors because I don't trust them. I don't trust them any more than I trust the ones who, who you know, predated upon me and abused me, I frankly. They I don't. Totally. I know, nor would I have. And so can I ask you a question? Do you think these alters were, in fact, aspects of yourself or do you feel like they were, could entities. have been like other entities coming in and running your body during those times? 
Oh, they were for sure aspects of myself. Absolutely. Because okay. I met them later on in full living color and detail and got to integrate them into myself. And they are with us here today. Hello. All of me Hi. is mentors. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a real process, but they used to be distinct and it was, um, quite frightening because I didn't have governance over their decision-making. Um, so I couldn't be like, as Sarah, like, I'm just going to override their, their free will. They had their own will or their own, maybe not free will because they were co-opted and programmed, but they had their own process and journey to come in to the core self that I am. So, um, but was yeah. there a trigger to invite them into your body and experience? Um, well, it was a long process. So what ended up happening was, this is told in my book, that they were created in abuse. So one, her name is Awe. She was created as, as, the, as the vixen archetype. So she was the sex kitten. And um, she was created as that. I mean, she was created with, with the use of pornography and... Um, you know, manipulation and torture. And so she had a sort of manipulative hard edge to her. Um, there was another, my other personality called, um, acquiesce. My other self, uh, had, was, was a servant. So she was a slave and she actually liked, she, she thought she belonged in chains. That was what she knew. Um, so when they emerged in 2014, so basically to save my own life in, in LA where I was in the story, after I was attracting these narcissists to myself and I recognized I was self-destructing, I was waking, like I said, up in people's beds. I didn't know how I got there. I was, I was, you know, in a spiral of some sort. I felt a death happen. Well, I made some choices. First of all, I made a choice to be celibate for a year, which was, I was 21 years old. So unheard of. Um, I basically decided to live like a nun for a year. And when I did that, I went through a radical transformation where I, in quotes, died. And when I died, my hair turned white. So my hair turned white at 21 overnight. Oh, um, my gosh. That is unbelievable. Your hair yeah. is freaking beautiful, by the way. I know. It's stunning. I'm obsessed with it. So, so, how, so how long after you made that vow to yourself of celibacy did your hair turn white? It was very soon after that because what happened was I started purging. Because when you have any major addiction and you deny your addiction, you go through detox. That's yeah. what happens. You know, think of a heroin addict. I was basically no different than that in a way. Um, those parts of myself that were used to expressing through like sexual dysfunction or whatever mm -hmm. could not do that anymore because I was like, I locked myself up essentially at an mm -hmm. abbey, you know, yeah. which was my own apartment. But yeah, you were um, purging out those elements of yourself yeah, that did, needed to be, needed to die. Really. Did, did all your alter selves, um, like they were okay with the nun, the nun year? Like they didn't try well, to break out of the abbey? Yeah. So what happened was that's when I met the spirits and the spirits basically told me I'm taking half of you underneath. And they, they basically took those two spirits, those two aspects of me and put them in like a safety chamber, <laughs> put them like sunk them to the bottom of the sea for a okay. while where I couldn't even reach or access those parts of myself. Wow. So I took on this very, um, type a very cerebral persona at that point because without them, I was actually just very, very cerebral, very much like, a, you know, like a librarian or like I said, a nun. Just, um, those, those, but I felt myself die because what was actually happening was those two pieces of myself were going into, you know, protective custody, essentially. Um, and it was painful because I was feeling the severance of that. You mm. know, I felt this, this death. I was like, I didn't even know if those parts of me were literally dying. Like, 
were they being taken to the other side because they were so destructive, you know, but I knew that all of me had signed on for that. Like all of me agreed that it was time and the spirit showed me that this was what was needed at that time. So all of my parts must have agreed to that. Can can I ask Um, you how often were those parts of yourself being expressed? Like how familiar were you with those other personalities? Like when, when would they be expressed? It was there a trigger point? I don't know. Like when it came down to being sexual with a man, they would drop in or when did they appear? Certainly that. I mean, there was an element of, um, of survivalism. Like I think I used sexuality as a means of survival since that's all I knew from the age of 11. Mm. So anytime that was necessary to feel, safe, to feel loved, to feel even economically, you know, provided for, they would come in, you know, that's where those parts of myself would come in. And can you feel them as if you were like having an existential moment watching them come in or did you just, your consciousness morph into that's who you were now? Did you have any perspective like, oh, this is, I'm morphing now into this personality? Um, it varied with with regards to that. Sometimes, yes. So I think Awe, um, the vixen, had a hold of my body for the mid. She was kind of like in charge of my body from probably around um, age 15, 14, 15 to about 20. Yeah, probably about 20 years old. She was like a, she was the primary. Got so mm-hmm. she was just you know, people were like, whoa, like this, this, who's this like dark goddess of a, you know, teenage girl. Like, Mm. because she was really shaped to be that way. Um, so you're predominantly expressing her for a while. Yeah. Got it. Uh, But then other parts would come in. So like, for example, in high school, I was both most desirable and most likely to succeed because two of my person, you know, my two personalities (laughs) were one of each, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) You were on fire basically. Do not mess with you. Yeah. Wow. And there was a, I mean, I am muchness. I have a lot of energy. So each one of these girls is a major handful all on their own. And I'm all of them. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> did you say I am muchness? That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. There's just, there was a lot going on with me. So, you know, I didn't understand it all. Mm. I mean, people had, had pointed it out to me and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's still huge holes in my memory because wow. I don't really know what all my other, some of my other parts have done. Like, I don't really know their full story wow. in some ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I had to make peace with that. So anyways, that from my early twenties, when I made that, um, again, a vow, a vow of abstinence, there's the importance of the vow again, for that year and those girls got taken under into protective custody. I didn't really see them again until, um, 2014. So that was quite a while. Wow. How how did you know where to go to make this vow? Like, did you talk to spirit? What, where was your heart when you made this declaration? Were you working with a higher power? Were you spiritual at this point? Where did you turn to? I've always been in touch with spirits and, and God, you know, God, goddess, um, to one extent or another, I've, I've just always had that going on. I've always had this supernatural, you know, element in my life. So I, I just talked to, to God, but I have heard, and I did hear at that time, uh, what I did was I saw Sophia the first time in myself then, mm. because my, I actually was working with a therapist and I had to work extremely hard to even hire her because I had no money, but I found a way to find this really, I actually found a really nice therapist. This was again, divine uh, ordinance. And, um, she asked me, do you hear voices? So I was like, 
that's a fantastic question. I don't know. Do I hear voices? So I went and I sort of looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, you know, is there anyone there that wants to speak? (laughs) (laughs) And she answered back. Sophia answered back. She, and she was like, you can do this. You are on your path. You are loved beyond all, all conception, all comprehension, and you will prevail. You must keep going. Walk forward. Oh, and uh, <laughs> I have goosebumps you know? all yeah. over my body and tears are coming out of my eyes. Wow. Yeah, I'm crying too. So yeah, I was like, oh, I hear voices. I do hear voices, you know, and uh, they're amazing. Like they're beautiful, these voices that I hear. And I also used to hear, you know, the voice of my guide, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And he would, he was very strict with me the whole time. And he was like, you've got to, you know, you've got to do this. Like you have to move forward. They, they would tell, you know, he would essentially be there advising yeah, he's me. Your guide. Mm-hmm. He's wow. like my father. He's my yeah. spiritual father. So, you know, I knew I was held somehow. I, I didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle. I'd never even heard of what shamanism was. I didn't know there was going to be a goddess movement. You know, I didn't know mm. any of these things existed. You just had that uh, internal compass kind of guiding you, a team. Wow. Brilliant. And so to step us through what happened once you recognized your true essence, Sophia. So once I had basically died, my hair turned white. I started hearing Sophia. Everybody around me thinks I'm crazy. I think I'm going sane. Everyone else is like concerned. <laughs> anyway, um, at that time, right around a year in to this vow, I got dragged to a party because my roommate, I actually did have a roommate at the time, even though I had my own. I had a really nice apartment, but I had to share it. And she dragged me to um, a party and she was like, you're coming with me because you're not doing this nun thing. It was New Year's Eve anymore and no more nun. And she, you know, she was, did not understand what I was doing or why, of course. Mm-hmm. So she dragged me to this huge party in the Hollywood Hills. And lo and behold, who was there? Someone tapped on my shoulder right after midnight and it was Hannon. And he was like, is it you? Is it Sarah? We had actually met in high school. I, I neglected to, to say that. And he really loved me like right away. He was like, you're the one. And I was like, you're crazy. You don't even know me. And, uh, I'm really complicated. You don't want to get involved with me. I'm like a bad girl, you know? And he was like, no, you're, you're the one for me. So anyway, years had, had intervened. Um, and then about one year into this abstinence thing, like I said, I feel this tap on my shoulder at this party. I turn around and it's, it's Hannah tapping on my shoulder. And oh my gosh, I hadn't seen him in years. I hadn't seen him in like five years. So fireworks went off. Inside yes. your heart. Immediately. I was <laughs> For like, you what too? are you doing here? Yeah, but I was also my distrustful mind because I was quite mm-hmm. jaded back then. And I was like, this isn't, what, what is this? this mm. What is this sorcery? <laughs> you know? Yeah, because how you had no precedent for anything other than just like, you know, bad guys around you. Yeah. And, you know, if you have been trauma bonded, you don't recognize love and or you just fear love. Like it just is the most terrifying. uh, I don't know. Like you have to have a certain amount of willingness and optimism to even believe that it could be possible when no one has loved you your whole life. You know, and to move into it must be terrifying. Like where do you start to grasp a trust? Like where do you find that trust? when you've been so traumatized by the concept of love, you have to be so strong to push through and recreate an association. That's just of something that's wounded you your whole life. Totally. Wow. So how did you build that trust with him? Um, well, first of all, the spirits had brought us together and I knew it. It was like an arranged marriage, you know, (laughs) almost it was 
had that quality to it. So at first I couldn't really feel like being in love in quotes. I couldn't feel that, but I knew there was something there that I recognized. And I was like, I have to move toward this. And I trusted and I respected him. I saw his soul and I, I, I was like, this person is not like any of the others. He is different. He's different than anyone I've known. And so I went into that investigation and I just, I just trusted it, you know? And I, we got married like very, very shortly after that meeting, like a matter of a couple months after. Wow. Um, yeah. We went to Vegas and we eloped because he was like, I'm not letting you go. Like we're too, meant to be together. And I, by that time I knew it. I, I knew he was right actually. And wow. I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know how I was going to navigate it, but I knew it was meant to be. So, um, and where, but I and sorry, sorry, were you able to be with him just as Sophia or at any point did you feel the vixen um, and your other personality want to come in? That's a great, great um, question. So those parts of me were very locked away. I, the vixen would only come out for someone who was going to like torture her because that's what she was like used to. You know, she was very associated with like BDSM, very associated with this distorted paradigm. Um, so sh- they were not available to him and he could feel that even though I wanted to be intimate with him sexually and like be close in our relationship and was very loving. He was like, you're holding so much back from me that I can't get to within you. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I promise. Like I would give you everything that I, that I could, but it's not mine to give. Like it's not there. I can't do it. And, uh, so there were these, there was this profound schism that he felt that was actually quite painful for him. Um, and it was really, you know, moving. And so it took a number of years And then he was like, I want to have kids. And I was like, I'm too scared and fucked up to have children. (laughs) You know, I don't want to damage my kids the way I was damaged. So there was just a lot of, sorry, if I'm not supposed to say that word. Uh, There was just a lot of, okay, um, like complexity there. And he was very, very patient with me. Oh, bless his heart. So he, he was a major part of your healing. It's almost like you needed him to complete the next level of trusting the masculine, of reassociating with sex, like all of that. All of it. Oh, absolutely. I could not, I don't think I could ever have done this without him, you know, and I'm someone who believes I'm quite independent and I believe in sovereignty. Like I would have been fine in my nun phase. It's not that I would have like perished or, you know, I mean, I, I can handle it. Like I'm a strong gal, but to do the work that was necessary to bring those parts of myself, he was the one that I could do that with. You know, I could bring my, myself to that altar. It was the only one that I could. Um, can, can you share with us some practical exercises or ways of being you were practicing with your husband that kind of softened you and opened you and towards trust and divine union and helped you move through the blockages and the trauma? Just for any like listeners out there who are at the beginning of their journey, I'm like trying to get tricks, tips, ways <laughs> that they can start to practice, you know, with their partner. Yes. So first of all, those parts of myself were locked away. So let me just tell a little bit more of the story so I can get to that part. Yes, please. Um, and I couldn't access them. So no matter how many tricks or whatever I tried, it wasn't going to, nothing was going to happen when those parts of myself were in like some lockbox, like at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> you know? Amazing where they belong. Right. So they were very, very distant from me and I couldn't access them. That was by divine ordinance though, in my understanding, like that was exactly what was needed to save my life at that time. Years went by and they emerged in 2014. The first thing that they did was to go look for a predator who was a match for their abuser because they didn't know anything else. Yeah. So I went through 2014. I had a series of 
from 2014 to 2016, three different repetitions um, that I would call false twins. And, you know, they were all my original abuser because that's what my, my girls were patterned on. So Wait a second. How did they get out of the lockbox at the bottom of the yeah. ocean? Was there a trigger? Can, was there a trigger in 2014? I think it was um, just a lot of kundalini activation and, and it was just time. It was just yeah. like Pandora's box just swung open. You know, it was yeah. just like, it is time for the divine feminine to rise. Wow. Let's see what like crazy magic is going to come out of this box when we open it, you know? Yeah. And I didn't actually want that at the time. I was trying to suppress all this to be a, a good mother. I had my two little, my two little ones at home. I was living in the suburbs. I was just trying to keep myself, you know, just business as usual, you know? And there was a lot of stuff in myself that was suppressing a lot of power. I think what it is, is that you can only lock that much power away for a certain time. It's yes. like a bomb. Yeah. Sooner or later, the bomb will go off. Yeah. It's almost like you need to move into it to a certain degree to dissipate the power they have over you. And maybe it was like you finally felt safe, like really safe and solid in your relationship because you did have the children now. You'd been married for a while and it was like you felt like even safer, you know? Well, you know what it was actually more so was it felt stagnant at the time because Han and I were, neither of us were was living our divine purpose. He was living, he was doing the grind nine to five. He had a job he didn't like. I was at home isolated, mm-hmm. taking care of these two little kids exhausted every day because my daughter wasn't sleeping. And so neither of us was actually living our highest purpose at that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. It was time for the activation. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was obvious that we were destined for so much more, but we knew there was, you know, I had a sense there was going to be like a huge, like, you know, mess. I was going to say cluster <laughs> F U C K to yeah. get there, you, you know, like I, I wasn't sure if there was going to be some like, you know, nice little path where we could just, you know, tiptoe through the tulips and go from, yeah, you know, of course not. Place to the other. Of course not. It's going to be messy and bizarre and like <laughs> horrific and wonderful and all the things mixed in, you know, so confusing. Mm. So when those girls came out, like I said, they, the first thing they did was automatically go find an abuser. That's the story. And she is one. And I was in the reversal. So the first tip I want to say is that there are wound mates for a reason. If you find yourself in a wound mate relationship or attracted to a particular wound mate, even if you don't enact that, it's something to pay attention to because that wound mate is, is showing you a piece of yourself. They mm-hmm. really are revealing to you a part of your own power that you haven't actualized or owned yet. So um, for people who are in relationships already, you can either look at how your partnership is is mirroring your wounding to you. Or if you find yourself attracted to things outside the partnership, even if you don't, you know, go there, you can notice what's going on with that. Why Mm. am I attracted to that? Like, where's the power in that? Mm. What is it really showing me about myself? Where is the lack of in your current relationship where you have, feel like you have to outsource it, right? Yeah. Or what's still trapped in shame and shadow? Because like for me, like my, my potent sexuality, I'm very like, you know, there's a lot there. Um, was was locked in shame, mm. so she couldn't come. There's no way that those parts of me could come to the to the marital bed at that point. They were they were in shame. The only mm. way they could have shown up was through something secretive, shameful, scary, because that's what they knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you reveal to yourself where those internal schisms lie, and mm. that's like helpful for making that map that I was referring to. And once you've made the map and you know those parts of yourself a little more intimately, then you can work to really bring them in Mm. to the relationship by like one of the things that our guides had us do was to make 
um, a protocol of basically every single thing that's a trigger for me sexually because I've had someone violate me that way and then bring it in in a loving way to my current practice. Wow, that's brave. That is so brave. Yeah. So like one of them is, for example, I, I get to crawl to my husband before sex because I was made to crawl, um, you know, on my hands and knees, being on my hands and knees was a big thing for my abuser, but now I get to do this in reverence. So I crawl lovingly to him and I like anoint his feet with my hair, a loving act that I do freely. It's totally taking the same act, but mapping it from this like karmic, um, reversal to like this dharmic, like beautiful divine hyperpurpose. Wow. wow. That, that takes healing, so empowering much. practice wow. to be able to move into those traumatic parts, but flip it. So you choose it this oh time and God. you put it in sacredness. That is unbelievably powerful. That's unheard of. Wow. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it, it came to me in dream time. Tell me if I need to go on to the next question, but no, And tell me if this is a reflection for you girls. I'm curious, or women here together. Sorry, I use the word girl. I know that's not like what you all are. No, we're girls. girls. Um, But I had these dreams where I was being infiltrated um, sexually and someone was, you know, forces, entities, men, you know, random, whoever was being able to infiltrate my dream time and activate me sexually. So I would become like sexually aroused. And then I recognized that in that state, they would just, I would just do anything they wanted. It was like a button that Mm. got pushed in my dream time. So I told my husband, I said, you know, I have this button and it gets pushed and then I'll just do anything. And it's like this weird thing. I was like, what do you do when people push your button that way in dream time? I asked him, he's like, Sarah. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I don't have a button like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that everybody has that button. And I was like, what do you mean? He's a shaman. So he went in shamanically. By the way, he became a shaman because of this entire process. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, he went in shamanically and, you know, they actually found this trigger point that was placed in me through programming, mind control programming. And from, took, the, from the military guy? Yeah. Wow. Removed the programming, which was the quote button, you know, so that that wouldn't have power over me anymore. And then the men would try to infiltrate me in dream time because this is happening energetically, right? It's not all just interpersonal. Mm. This is like a high level archetypal, like myth that is being told through our lives and a battle that's being fought, um, through all of our lives. And, and so I recognized that I could, um, in dream time, call my guides at that moment. So if there was a man coming in trying to, you know, activate me that way, I would call my guides in the dream and say, make a circle around me. I'm going to find hand. And that's lucid dreaming. If you're yeah. able to have consciousness within your dream to be able to call in lucid, um, call in your guides, that's lucid dreaming. I know. I've had to do a lot of that to, to get where we've wow, gone here. It's really difficult to do. It is difficult, but well you know, done. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, you know, I'm finding him like, don't let anything happen. So they'd make a circle around me and I would literally crawl on my hands and knees, just like I'm telling you to find him. And then I'd throw myself on his feet, like just exhausted and, and so grateful, you know, that I had reached him. And that I wasn't being hacked and infiltrated by these like astral malevolent forces. Wow. They've been going on my whole life. Like I've been hacked astrally my whole life because of this, because of my early abuse. So wow, they don't get to do that anymore. That's so <laughs> amazing. No. Just reinforcing that like just protection around you again, once again. 
Wow. So you, so you have worked out a way to integrate those parts of yourselves, which you were ashamed of and locked away and you're integrating them in a way where you embrace, um, the aspects of them, which you want to express and bring into your relationship, but in a, in a sacred way, I guess, in a healthy way. Exactly. Like they all have their sort of, um, you know, distorted or manipulated, um, manifestations, but they also have this very high, you know, beautiful divine purpose. So when they're, when they let go of the, the manipulative aspects and the, um, the dark programming, they actually are part of goddess, you know, of course they're divine. So they come in as divine. Yeah. Wow. They find their wow. High purpose. To just to flip that script is, is just wow. And, <laughs> and to have a partner that understands this work and that embraces it and isn't afraid or threatened by it is just, and it is healing alongside of you. I'm sure there's parts of himself that could only be activated through you mirroring that as well. Absolutely. Like he didn't know he was a shaman until 2014 when this all happened. I mean, he actually didn't believe in the spirits or any of that. Wow. He, he, I, I told him that I heard spirits and that, you know, I knew there were guides around us and that I had been, you know, seen Sophia. And he knew that that was all part of my life, but he kind of scoffed at it until 2014. <laughs> he didn't believe it. And wow. so how did his journey in 2014, how did he go from not believing in it to then being like, oh God, this is real. I need to become a shaman right now. The guides just came and took him essentially. What happened was, I, so, so when, yeah, when Oz, when Oz showed up and found this predator who was basically a repetition of, of the mind control guy from my childhood, right? And sorry, is this a physical manifestation of someone? Did like actually someone in reality? Yeah, this is an actual person, but he was fortunately far away from me because it was like an internet uh, okay. connection slash astral connection. We had a really strange, bizarre relationship. I mean, if you've done any reading with the false twin stuff, I don't know if you guys have read like the love bites alien stuff or I don't know if you're familiar with that whole no, dialogue. No, but, but it sounds fascinating. Oh, God. False it was twin so... looking into that. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so I basically sleepwalked because I was, you know, operating as awe into this relationship with this absolutely toxic man who was a, a rapist. I mean, he just clearly was. And I, I actually had like, she had a rape fantasy because that's wow. who she was. Yeah. So she was like, Oh cool. You can rape me. I found somebody, you know, it was like wow. so surreal compared to who I actually am. Cause I'm like this grounded earthy mother who does mm. everything the way I'm supposed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, wound just, on wound. The wound is yeah. searching for something to activate it and to express it. Exactly. So when this happened, my husband was like, my wife's gone mad, you know, but he also knew because he's, he's actually very wise. He was like, this is a repetition of her childhood abuse. He mm. saw it and he was like, I'm going to help her. And I was trying to help myself because I recognized at that time that I needed shamanic. I needed some soul retrieval work essentially. Mm. And there was no one to do that for me at the time because the woman that I knew who I had trusted as a shaman was completely booked and busy and um, I was in the throes of this. Like, this man had me. He had awe in his grasp and could have destroyed our entire everything, could have destroyed mm. me, our family. Although I don't know I really would have gone. I don't know. I question whether I would have really gone there. But certainly there was, like, this major schism in my soul that was, like, causing huge pandemonium in our lives. Mm. 
And so my husband was like, I told him, I was like, I really need someone to journey for me and, and get these, this part of my soul back. I didn't know her name was Ah at that point. I had, I just knew that he had a hold of something. So in my con, in my, you know, my clear self, I knew that there was something really, really wrong. And I was like, but I don't have anyone to do this for me. You know, my shaman can't do this. And he was like, I'll do it for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a legend. What a legend. I know. I was, he was, I was like, excuse me? He's like, I got this. I'm doing it. And I was like, you don't know anything about shamanism. You don't even believe in spirits. Like, what are you talking about? I'm that stage. Step aside. Give me the Palo Santo. <laughs> right? What a legend. And I was like, I literally was just dumbfounded. I, how are you going to do this? And he's like, no, I can. I can do this. So that night he actually went into journey. And um, So yeah. when you say go into journey, are you working with any type of plant medicine or any other no. type of medicines? Or it's just like a no. spiritual experience? Just a spiritual experience. So the way that we work as a family, we are kind of in the, in it all, we're in a journey all the time to one degree or another. And there's no substance involved because we're very, very clear. If anything, we're, we don't drink, we don't smoke, you know, we have vows as to what we can eat. We don't take any medicine of any sort. We're just very, 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 very like natural as a family. So, and that's how my husband's always been. So he was just like, he had actually already made contact with the spirits at that point because Emmanuel, um, the guide tapped him on, you know, his, his hand, basically on his shoulder and was like, dude, you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and so he knew he had, he knew the spirits were real by that point. And he was like, I'm doing this. So he just said, I want to. And he called, he said, spirits, like, please come. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's yeah. save Sarah, you know, and the spirits came. <laughs> and he took wow, him. called them in. Isn't that amazing that majority of humans don't understand you just have to ask for help and then you receive it. Like you yeah. can say my spirit guides appear and help me and if you're open to it, open heart and mind, they will come through you. Exactly. It's, it's yeah, when unreal. you ask with 100% commitment mm -hmm. on board, you will receive. You yeah. will receive. It's not even a question mark. Yeah, I agree. Wow. wow. So what happened after the autism? I know, I'm, not, I'm on the night? edge of my seat. <laughs> Don't stop there. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that's what happened. He went and he journeyed, and, and he journeyed down to what, what appeared as Hades mm -hmm. in the, in the journey. Know. And there were two, my two soul parts, Awe and Acquiesce. And Awe had, like, dyed black hair and was, like, you know, made up and dolled up in some, like, little dress. And then acquiesce was in chains. He, he didn't get their names, but he, he rescued them. They were basically, this guy had like a false throne set up and was sort of like this devil archetype, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so he, he brought these two parts home and oh my God, he journeyed yeah. into the underworld. Wow. And so this is all you. through meditation. Were you both just sitting opposite each other meditating or no, he was, I was asleep when this happened and he was, um, laying down. He just, when he journeys, all he does is he lays down and he calls the guides and they just come Wow! and the whole thing happens. And he's like, Oh yeah, this happened. And it was like, and he tells this like complex story. That's like an hour and a half long. And you're like, what? You know, <laughs> he's mind blowingly gifted, mind blowingly gifted. He does this for people all the time now because he sees clients and he even has apprentices now. He's just a phenomenal um, he's a phenomenally gifted healer. That's all I can say. He really is. And so, clearly, clearly he was meant to do this and he needed you and all of your trauma to activate this aspect of him or he wouldn't have had the necessity to even go there within himself probably. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We both completely transformed on a dime at that juncture because of this, you know, malevolent inter, you know, quote interference, but it was really like the, it was Pandora's box. It was everything flying out of that box. I'm telling you. So yeah, I got to see him actualize into his amazing high purpose, which has been such a great journey. Probably better than my own. Like I like his journey, almost (laughs) his transformation, almost more than mine. Cause I get to watch it. Like, so awe-inspiring. Wow. Yeah, and speaking of awe, I had a dream that night. When I was asleep, I had a dream, and in it, awe and acquiesce both came to me and introduced themselves. As and they, their names, huh? Yeah, because I never heard their names before. I didn't even know. that. I didn't even know I had altars, like fully fleshed altars. I knew I was dissociative and lost time and that there was all this strange stuff happening, but I didn't really fully know the architecture of my own soul wow. until then. So each one of them stepped in to me, like to let me feel who they were. And then they stepped out again so that I could feel what it was like. The to difference. Be separate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, holy, holy, what this has happened. And, and my whole relationship with the malevolent false twin guy was completely transformed as a result of that journey. How, like how did was, it transform? Did you just not feel any type of attraction to that? Was that just null and void or... Yeah, it pretty much was. I, I I think I went through a period of like feeling the inner conflict of like, you know, what have I done in the cognitive dissonance and the, I'm still kind of in this, but I'm out of, you know, it was that sort of a thing for a minute. But it, and then I started feeling really disgusted by him. Like, oh, this is a disgusting predator, you know? And I couldn't see that before. I was truly, she was truly under a spell. Yeah. Always. Um, so yeah, it, it really did change things like on a dime. So, so your husband went in did a soul retrieval or did he just rescue your two altars from beneath? And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so did that somehow break the spell for you acting out awe in your life? Well, awe was still awe, but, um, she got to come home and experience what it would be like on her own terms. Um, it, it broke this, her spell cause it broke her programming and I was acting. So the way it felt for me when I was awe was sort of, <clears throat> I felt like I was on a hallucinogen. Like wow. I was on a major, major, like mind altering drug. So I could feel that I was doing stuff, but I didn't know why I was doing it. And, mm. you know, I had a very, very strange, like, you know, it was like multi-orgasmic, like, you know, energy moving through my body that I didn't understand what it was or why it was acting the way it was. It was like being on a drug. So it was like being, um, acting compulsively. And then after that, I got to experience what she was like, but without the compulsion. Mm. So I got to feel what her essence really is. Oh my gosh. I need to do this too. It's like, I, I, I just love the way you are phrasing this. It's, it's so <laughs> I'm Asian. I'm able to visualize different elements of myself that have been expressed in different relationships and just listening to your story, it, it, for me, it becomes possible to marry that wildness and those elements which got activated with certain partners into a safe union like a marriage. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can, exactly. Yeah, Thank this, you. Yeah, this is, this is really, <laughs> um, I mean, for me personally, this is just so groundbreaking to understand that you can call in those elements of yourself that you once found, um, scary to, to express in a safe way to kind of create a, 
to accept it so they don't rule you, but also to create, move towards divine union and have a wholeness in that sexuality with your partner. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I knew some other people at the time who were like, oh, that's your ego. You've got to kill that. And I was like, this is a person. I can't kill her. She's literally part of me. How yeah. can I kill that part? That doesn't make sense. I, it's violent to want to kill that part of yourself. What she needs is to release her self-destructive like paradigm so that she can find out who she really is and then integrate. And there's also and power in her. There are elements of her which are powerful and fun probably. And if done in a conscious way, that can be really healing for you. Absolutely. So super funny story is that she smoked and, you know, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't go near cigarettes, but Aw does. So, um, you know, uh, when she came home, she was like smoking out back. And then it was so funny. Like the cutest thing that one of the cutest moments was that Hannon came out and he's like, got a light and started smoking with her, you know, oh, to make what a <laughs> he's so I know, great. This like guy is what a guy. A <laughs> I know. It's the sweetest thing. It was and I can't tell you how touching it was for her, you know, me as her. To be accepted. To be accepted and not be told you're not acting right. You're not dressing right. You're not supposed to do this. You're, you mm. can't smoke. You know, you can't be yourself. Like he was mm-hmm. he recognized that she was different than me and yet she was a value and there was a way that those things could live together, you know, oh. that was going to be like her wildness was welcomed. And Brilliant. because it was oh. welcomed, she was able to then heal it and be like, yeah. you know what? I don't really need these and cast that habit aside pretty quickly. And lots of other things shifted. And she, she really just came in nicely. Um, wow. Yeah. She sounds like the life of the party. I want to hang out with awe in this like a wholesome awe kind of way. This sounds fun. I think <laughs> I may have of one fun. of her too. <laughs> I bet you do. Yeah. All of us really should because, you know, we it's that spirit that just that wild spirit that keeps on the beautiful dark magic. Like there's a beauty to the dark feminine. It doesn't have to be some like wicked thing, you know, mm. some Jezebel thing or something like mm. and there's... So- magic and mystery in, in that. Oh, for sure. We should definitely be open to embracing that, not shaming it. So how did this transform your relationship on a trust level, on a sexual level, when he, when your husband did this deep healing and you invited, um, your alternative, you know, selves home? How, how did that change things in the relationship? Well, it changed things a lot because for one thing, I was then able to bring my sexuality to the marriage, which I couldn't do before. Oh, in full. that's huge. Oh, huge. And it was a huge, you know, it was at the same time, it was humiliating, embarrassing, humbling. Cause you have to understand I did stupid things like mm. audit dumb things. And so did acquiesce, you know? So as parts of myself, it's like, Oh God, like you have to feel the shame of like, what did I do? Mm. But there was also relief. Cause I was like, Oh, he sees me. I can smoke the cigarette. I'm not mm-hmm. going to like, you know, burn in my relationship. And yet, you know, we, I now have this freedom where I can play with what it means to like bring that wild aspect of myself into like the bedroom, you know, and bring it into like safe union and intimacy. I never had that opportunity before, mm. before this happened. 2014 was really the first, first round of that. So I just can't even express how everything it is because the thing that, that really thwarts divine union, and I feel like it's a purposeful agenda, the abuse of children, mm-hmm. the sexual abuse, or even the conditioning and programming of children, even through a magazine or the media, mm-hmm. is purposefully designed to distract and harness and co-opt our sexuality so that we can't bring those 
elements of ourselves to a safe, intimate union because we don't have the option to practice true intimacy when those parts of ourselves are held in compulsion. I totally agree with that. And what do you think the motive is for the higher powers to be, to be um, intentionally manipulating young children and programming them to not embrace their full power? Because it's just so much easier to vampirically siphon our essence when we, you know, when we don't, A, know who we are, and B, we don't have full access or choice, you know, to stand in that power. Like, it just, it's designed, honestly, to to isolate, to uh, to distract, and to create addiction. It's for capitalist purposes of making money. And then on the deeper, darker agenda, it's about preventing the rising of, of our planet. It totally. really is. So spiritual because warfare. Look at how powerful, yeah. what a powerful state divine union is. How powerful you and Hanan are, or Hanan, I'm sorry, um, are, to, way, perfect. are together, like, in your power. It's like, if, if every human, if 99.9% of humans were able to be in as much power their own power as you are, then the, the dark ones would have no chance at siphoning us whatsoever. So for them, it's it's life or death because they're feeding off our life force. Absolutely. They want this old paradigm of, of exploitation and vampirism to last um, because it's, yeah, it's their food. And it's like, they really don't understand. I mean, maybe they do understand that there is a way to return to source and there's an infinite energy source, right? That we're all connected to. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to predate off each other or exactly. be vampiric. Yeah, but they're, they're cut off from that. They, yeah, to they do that, to. they would have to atone. They would have to mm-hmm. go through their own reckoning process. Mm-hmm. And they cannot do that because they have already, you know, done too many travesties, committed yep. too many travesties and too many crimes that they cannot face or, or own. So they they basically ostracized themselves from their own life force. That's totally exactly right. What type of rituals or practices do you two do together to um, keep your union powerful and protected? Powerful and protected. Well, every single morning on my own, I wake up and I say three prayers. Um, I light two candles. I say three prayers and I, I devote myself completely to God every single day. I give myself over literally. I am, you know, just like, like I have given myself every corner of me. If there's any corner of me that is still in, in shame, shadow, that is still addicted, that is still in the old paradigm, I give it to you freely, like all of me. Mm. So it's just, it's just a vow that I say every single morning. And then the union between us is just very strong. We don't have to anymore protect our union. Although I did devote, literally devote and vow my sexuality to my marriage. I actually took that vow too. I said, I devote all of my sexual energy and essence to this, to this relationship. There's nothing outside can access it. And, you know, no unaligned forces can access my sexuality anymore. They really can't like people try a lot. (laughs) It doesn't work. They just bounce right off because I have vowed all of this to this relationship and he's done the same. Mm, I, super, he was so pure. He never even had to do that. He was just like, you are my one forever and ever. Amen. Oh, like, I don't want anything else. Wow. so good. Smart man. Yeah. Aww. And, and yeah, in these moments amazing. where you take these vows, is it basically, as you mentioned before, just a silent prayer or do you do anything else or work with anyone else? Um, I say prayers. I do uh, bathing rituals. You know, I do rituals with my hair to wash out 
old frequencies and to seal in new frequencies. A lot of it has to do with actually sealing energy. You know, sometimes we draw the circle, we'll go out and do like ritual work and draw circles and stand in the circles, and, you mm-hmm. know, to do like your basic like ceremonial ritual work. I think that's pretty, you know, a lot of people do that. Um, but maybe it's the intention that's a little different perhaps, but mm-hmm. I'm very simple. Like I'm, I'm not a lot of bells and whistles and crystals and gongs and like working with tons of healers and you know what I mean? I'm just not that person. I'm like really, really, really simple and pared down. And it's enough. You it know, is it's enough. Just, you know, and that's empowering that it is, that that is enough. Yeah, you can just go inward and have that access. Yeah, and when we really believe and know that we have it, it's even more so. It's, it's really about building a relationship. Like the relationship with God is no different than any other relationship. Whether you call it God or higher power or higher self or goddess, you know, whatever you name it, it's really like any other relationship. Mm. It requires devotion and it requires time and investment mm. and reciprocity, right? Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Wow. Well, I mean, we could just keep going for hours, but oh, um, Jenna, do you have any questions? Well, I, I think uh, that is, co- I mean, that covers a lot. And I know that for our listeners, you have written a book about your experiences kind of going even deeper into what you described to us um, called She Is One, correct? Mm-hmm. And then did you and... Uh, did you and your husband write another book too? We did. We wrote a second book called God is with us. And, um, you want me to tell you about it? Or? Uh, yeah, yes, tell us please. about it. And we're going to link both of these books onto our show notes so you could get them. Our listeners can get them. Okay. So, um, hold on. Someone's at my door. Oh, you're, are you at this, this door? Me? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to close the door. I thought you were over here. <laughs> the UPS man. Hi UPS. I didn't mean to like close the door in your face. I was so confused. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I thought you were coming from the neighbor. Last name mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lucky him. I totally closed the door in this guy's face earlier because I thought he was coming from the neighbor. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway. Um, yeah, so tell us about your books. So, the, so God is With Us is the story of... Well, it's, it's a lot of things. It's, it's a, it details our Aboriginal Jewish um, learnings, which have been spirit-given. Spirit oh, I definitely got to read this one. Yeah, it talks a lot about the time of Christ. And we have an alternate theory of what happened during the time of Christ and who the archetype of, like, the Messiah, in quotes, is. A different definition of the word Messiah as well. And then... It talks a lot about the divine feminine at that time, because the divine feminine is very, very important for us in the Aboriginal Judaic tradition that we know, which is not talked about much in contemporary Judaism and is really like an esoteric like tradition that is very little known. Oh my God. Even. I'm so into this. We I need to like, do a podcast uh, on rising of the divine feminine. Yeah, well, we will do that. Okay. okay. Awesome. With I'll you. totally do yes. more with you guys. I yes. love that. Yeah. So, and it's all about that as relates to shamanism, because we've, we've uncovered that a lot of the practices and rituals and even the divine union rituals between the goddess and what we'll call the high priest archetype at that time were really shamanic and that it was really about atonement, that the version of atonement has to do with soul retrieval. So it's this kind of marriage of atonement and soul retrieval that is this means of staying extremely healthy 
and vital and well in comparison to um, the paradigm of martyrdom and um, vampiric siphoning that mm-hmm. was mapped upon the Christ mm-hmm. myth. Totally. Right? I, this so resonates. I, I love this. Go on. Yeah. So it's all about like unpacking who really was this Messiah, you know, persona of the time, the Messiah archetype. And did it really have to do with being on a cross in this false martyrdom paradigm? No. In my opinion, no. Or did it really have to do with the divine atonement and divine union with the goddess, which is what we believe. That's what I believe. Brad. (laughs) That's awesome. So it's all about that. And then it it goes from this historical perspective to the contemporary way that we actually, as a family, live this paradigm in our daily life. And my husband really fulfills that high priest archetype, whereas I really fulfill Mm -hmm. this like Judaic goddess archetype. Mm. So we really are this divine union that is the ancient, ancient form of atonement before the time of Christ or a different alternative narrative to the Christ mythology. And, um, and then goes on to talk about my husband's work and details five case studies of my husband working miracles, which is what he does. Um, so yeah, he's been helping to heal people of, of disease, including cancer. He's been helping to break major addictions for people just in the nick of time. Um, he's been helping to reunite broken families. We really Mm. work together in all of this. And, um, so that's what our book is about. Unbelievable. Amazing. (laughs) And uh, where, uh, uh, what else are you up to which people can be a part of? Yeah. Tell our listeners where they can find you, what your current projects are, um, anything like that. Okay. So as you mentioned, I blog on Facebook all the time. That's just my daily kind of thing. Um, I'm on Patreon. I, I offer a lot of embodiment work. It's very inexpensive. What I do on Patreon is just uh, beautiful, grounding, embodied, loving work, not just for women. There's some men who are doing this with us also. And trauma recovery is a big theme also. So breaking through trauma and coming back into wholeness, um, that's on Patreon. Um, I am not seeing clients right now, but my, my husband, Hannon is doing phenomenal client work in his shamanic practice and also has, um, taken on some apprentices that he's teaching shamanism to in his form. So again, there's no, no substances, no plant medicine. It's just learning how to directly tap into spirit, being connected with your own guides and learning how to actually do the journey work. So he's doing fantastic work with all that. Um, and there's more that's going to be coming down the down the pipe soon. We're we're actually having a party in Sedona oh, in October. I want to go. Wanna come. Oh my god! Oh my I so gosh. Amber, can we go? Oh, I'm, let's do it. I, I mean, booked, done. Put it in the calendar. Oh my god! Yay! Yeah. That is so fantastic because what we really want to do in the next year is move into much more in person work and start hosting retreats and you know, doing all of this really embodied, real grounded stuff. So this is the kickoff for all of that. It would be an honor to have you. Oh my there, God. That'd you. be a dream Done. for us too. Sedona is, so is such exciting. a magical place. Yeah. And we're moving to Sedona next month. You so are? I'm, what? Yes. Yeah. For oh. my 43rd birthday, we're moving to Sedona. I'm so excited. Oh, the rivers running through Sedona. Oh, it's just my so, goodness. the spiritual. Yeah. The vortexes. Some yeah, crazy vortex stuff has happened Sedona to me in Sedona. Crazy. That is so amazing. Well, I'm just excited. I want to give you a hug in person. So I'm um, going to have to go to Sedona for that. Do you, are you on Instagram? I am. I'm at Sarah is silver because of my hair on <laughs> Instagram. And is it just your name for Facebook? 
Yeah, um, Sarah Sophia well, Eisenman. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know, but yeah, it is. probably. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so, great. Yeah. And do you have a website or anything? The website is The, the Sacred, Sacred Femme. Femme. Uh, F-E-M-M-E. That's right. com. We also have another one that we just um, launched. It's more to do with the Divine Union, which is Essene Shamanism, E-S-S-E-N-E shamanism.com oh my god i'm so into that okay Beautiful. and we're gonna like i said we're gonna link all of all of sarah's you know info happenings. and happenings to our show notes so check there for that um before we wrap wow. up i would love sarah for you to offer our listeners an invitation we do this at the end of every podcast um an invitation to inspire them to move towards creating um, healing and wholeness and sacred union um, coming through sexual trauma. So are you able to offer our listeners um, an invitation that they can practice each day that will bring them closer to healing from sexual trauma? Just a trauma? little thing. Doesn't yeah, have it, to it be could massive. be like some divine union practice or how to renew their vows or whatever you feel called to share as an invitation. Hmm. Gosh, there's a lot. Hmm, so many choices. <laughs> um, I guess just in simplicity, I think it, I think the affirmations are important, and being able to look yourself in the eye, as I did all those years ago, and first of all, to see, to invite someone within you to speak, someone you know, someone important, and see what they have to say. Be a good listener. Um, so walk up to the mirror and call forth the goddess within yourself, if you will, however you want to look at that, your higher self, uh, your deepest knowing, whatever word you want to use to describe that and, and look your own self in the eye and then wait and see who speaks and see what you receive, what wisdom, and then write, write that down and pay attention because a lot of the time we're operating on voices that are not not that highest self that we're operating on voices that are, you know, our mother who nagged at us, you know, who's been instilled in our head or the noise and the chatter of, you know, too much social media. And how often is it that we really take the time to ask our higher selves to speak to us directly and then being fully open to receiving that message? Um, so I feel like that's a practice that when we get oriented to that voice and we trust that voice more than all the other ones, because it really is bedrock, then it changes our orientation. It's a grounding thing. Like I've heard people say, I don't know what to believe in anymore. And there's a lot that we can't believe in a lot that shifts. So we want to root and ground into that, which doesn't change, which is really, it maybe transforms, but really it's just this eternal essence that, is always available to us. So get acquainted with your, with your eternity, the eternity within you, mm. the eternal self that knows Beautiful. that is wisdom. Love it. Wow. Oh, so true. Excellent. Okay. Doing that, <laughs> doing that as soon as we get off here. Uh, well, I mean, thank you. I don't know what to say. I'm in complete awe, not that kind of awe, but the, you, know, you know what type of awe I'm talking about. Awe's in awe. <laughs> And it was such an honor, Sarah, to have you on with us. Honestly, thank you so much for sharing so authentically. And openly and honestly yeah. and eloquently these difficult topics that will help. I'm sure Other it's going to help every through. single person that listens to this podcast and it, it helped us too. So we're just so grateful um, and happy that this worked out. 
Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you again, both of you, for having me on your show. And Thank I'll come you. back. I'll, if you want to do one on the, the Essene stuff, uh, or yeah. the Mind Feminine Rising, I'm totally into that as well. Cool. So. That is books in. And we may even see you in Sedona yeah. before that. We could maybe record live from yeah. Sedona. Ah, oh, that would be really cool. Yeah, let's make that happen. Okay, done. So that's it, guys. Thank you, listeners, for being with us today. We really appreciate your support and your curiosity on this bigger, deeper, these kind of topics. Um, And stay in touch with us. Reach out to us. Let us know what you thought of this topic. Let us know if you have a story in this realm. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. We love creating a network, a community of like-minded, powerful women on a mission to heal and, you know, just contribute in a really powerful way to the rise of consciousness. So lots of love. And we will have you with us next week. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Sarah. Bye. Love you. Love you. Kiss, kiss. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.